Welcome back to Voicecraft. This is a conversation with Johnny Miller and threads themes of grief and curiosity with consideration for practices of nervous system regulation, healing and transformation. Johnny, as I see him, is a fellow in developing cultural contexts worth being a part of, a culture that supports the cultivation of character and personal and community health and well-being. Those are efforts that are far beyond any one person, of course, and there are many out there seeking to make that effort in the context of technological, economic and social paradigms, which often work against that very effort. But he's someone I'm glad to know and I'm often inspired by. Someone to take note of and connect with over time, because he's a node that makes for a network worth being in. He is the host of the Curious Humans podcast and the founder of Nervous System Mastery, which runs courses designed to increase agency individuals have over their physical, mental and emotional state. He is also a faculty member for the upcoming Voicecraft course in Transformative Philosophy, which begins on October 10. He'll lead a module titled Nervous System Regulation for Transformative Dialogue, where we'll engage in some of the practices touched on in this episode, and thereby move into the more expansive philosophy later in the course with awareness of grounding embodiment practices. You can read about the course and secure your place at voicecraft.io academy. It's a key way to participate in, learn from, and contribute to this living context for deep thinking and relating among friends and peers in response to the real of our cultural moment. That's voicecraft.io slash academy. And thank you, as always, to patrons at patreon.com slash voicecraft. Your support makes a huge difference. All right, here we go. Johnny, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to sit down with you. You're someone actually who I've always enjoyed following online because you're always exploring things. You're always trying new stuff, whether it's different types of technologies or you're learning new skills and applying that. You speak to different people. Curiosity and exploration is definitely part of your philosophy with the Curious Humans podcast and what have you. And this is an awesome opportunity for me because I'd love to ask some questions and learn a little bit about how you came to be who you are so thank you for being here thank you tim yeah it's a it's a real pleasure to be here as well and i've i've huge admiration for the way in which you you weave these dialogues together and your your capacity for articulation so i'm excited and yeah also also somewhat i sense like a nervousness in me as well uh, so let's let's see how it unfolds interesting yeah it's a funny thing the recording button i still i don't know if nerves is quite right it's it it maybe is a bit it maybe is a bit of nerves but you know i there's something about the effort to articulate the effort to craft voice at the edge of where we can with the feeling of maybe those nerves that seems to be profoundly transformative i think one gets to attend very closely to what it is one does actually think and from where and how one is actually grounded but at the same time it can sometimes be misleading because the grounding often is there and maybe we just get slightly disoriented for a moment and 
we can forget maybe ourselves a little bit too. And so that's all a very challenging context, really. And that's an interesting link because part of this conversation is hoping to unfold why the regulation of the nervous system matters how we can understand that and in what way can that afford the conditions maybe to be able to know ourselves and be ourselves and connect with ourselves more fully. So could you take me back to a time, maybe this was continuous for you, but have you felt a sense of continuity with who you are throughout your whole life and I suppose we all have maybe to some degree but could you remember a time when you were on a radically different track and can you name what that track is and can you name what that track changed to? Mm. That's a beautiful way of kind of phrasing the question. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, um, I was actually writing about this today. In some ways, I do feel like there was a very definitive kind of before and after moment in, in my life. Um, and that was was losing my, my ex-fiance, Sophie. Um, but I, I think even, I think before that, I... I was I went through phases, particularly as a kid and as a teenager. Um, I'm sure you can relate growing up in England as as well. Of of like, I just say numbness, and then I think apathy, and I and I think that intense kind of thirst for adventure and asking questions and curiosity was just very kind of severely muted in my in my teenage years, and in my early twenties, I think um, I kind of set out on this uh this desire to explore the the outer world to travel to to learn to surf backpacking in southeast asia and i think that curiosity came back online kind of for the for the outer world but then following the experience of losing sophie it became apparent how I think numb I'd been to my internal landscape and to my to my emotions, to my feelings, to um, you know, really just numb from the neck down in a lot of ways, but not aware of it. And you know, I wasn't unhappy in any way. I had a, I, I was in the startup world and I was teaching, but there really wasn't that awareness. And I think what has unfolded over the last kind of four or five years has just been a a depth and appreciation for my own embodied experience and a kind of deep love for um for emotions and for exploring exploring myself in that way and and i think that has led to um exploring different we could use the word psychotechnologies be it meditation breath work plant medicines um time and darkness and just really seeking to understand um, my my experience of life, I suppose, is is the best way to put it, um, and that has led me to researching the nervous system and you know all these things that I'm now um, learning and sharing. Would you characterize yourself as someone who is? Well, there's a word that gets used sometimes, uh, shaman, 
a shamanic type, you know, someone who's more of a boundary explorer, maybe between tribes a little bit, often the type that is most likely and in some sense most capable of being with, let's say, non-ordinary states induced by psychedelics. Because it is, it is an interesting one to me. I have met many, many people now who have taken psychedelics as medicine, as recreation, and uh, over long periods of time, short periods of time. And over that time, I have begun to develop a sense of the kind of sensitivities within people that can magnify the experience in ways that really require a maturity in facilitation at the very least and definitely a keen discernment about readiness and what have you these are such powerful such powerful tools such powerful modulations let's say of the nervous system and neurochemistry and identity and all these types of things when did you sort of begin your exploration with i suppose going traveling itself you know i did that too when i was quite young i think 17 i traveled around europe with my best friend and that was a transformative experience. I always had a drive toward that. You seem to me like someone who is capable of really being with tension and going through the process. I'm just wondering, in your travels and in your many experiences, have you also reflected on this? Have you reflected on the different types of sensitivities within people and have you come to know yourself as, I mean, this is maybe a difficult question to ask in somewhat of a public forum, because I, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it first, I suppose, I have known myself to be different to many people, not all, I mean, I'm, many of the people I gravitate towards themselves are often those that might tread the outlands a bit, but I have recognised there's a capacity I have to be with some of the more chaotic presentations of the psyche and to have that. It's not as though it doesn't affect me, but I feel in touch with the process of it. And I'm just wondering if you've noticed in yourself a sense of where your own boundaries are, but also a sense of where others might be in this regard. I don't know if any of that's coming across as clear, but... Mm, no, I, I think I can kind of catch the thread that you're that you're weaving with that. And my my experience is that I think those of us who are more sensitive, um, like experiences like psychedelics, I think they amplify the the set and setting that that we that we have. And a lot of my friends, I think I would consider to be, um, you know, they, many of them have experienced. Uh, let's say like mental health challenges throughout their lives and I think a lot of that comes from this increased capacity for sensitivity to both their internal landscape and, and the world around them and I think that that increased sensitivity is is really a gift and it can also be a, a curse in you know very kind of dysregulated situations and environments and in terms of the the capacity piece it's it's an interesting question. I like I think of it um, 
I, I sometimes think back to when I first went traveling, I flew to Australia and learned to surf. Um, and that, that experience was also a real pivotal turning point in my life. I was, I was actually quite a shy kind of semi-socially awkward kid at school. And, um, the process of learning to kind of feel comfortable in bigger and bigger waves and having the, the courage to kind of paddle and then drop in on waves that I was terrified of and could potentially like churn me up or, or hit the reef or, or whatever it is. But then popping up okay, I think doing that over and over again gave me this sense of like um, just confidence in myself. And I think that then translated into being on land. And I think it really does translate to being with the the bigger waves of emotion and the intensities of, of life. Um, and you know i'm sure there's also there's perhaps a genetic component component to this as well i think we're just we are hardwired differently um but it's definitely something that i i think has just grown through being in the presence of intensity and then kind of coming out the other side in one piece or if anything you know grateful or, or stronger in some way and that's my best attempt to answer that question that's awesome. The very much living example of surfing and practice dropping into waves and being wiped out by them and then also knowing the flow of them and the courage to step into the right one or stand into the right one. I think that's a really good place to circle on a little bit because it seems as though when it comes to navigating profound experiences, navigating intensity, which is ultimately responding to the deep conditions of life and death process and the, the tragedy and the comedy and the suffering and the, the striving of it all, the uncertainty and the unknowing and all of that. It is the case that we can cultivate capacity, and character and qualities within ourselves to be able to ultimately um, trust and build confidence and skill in the capacity to move into an experience and to meet the challenges of life and to open up appropriately to transformation and to build relationships with others. And that wave example is something which in I was using as an example when I was younger in reflection about some of my own more profound experiences, mainly with psychedelics, but not exclusively. Because there's an instance here where there's an encounter of a very much a real event that if you don't respond to, you're going to be in a bit of trouble, right? The wave is going to knock you over. And you have to choose whether to swim over it. Obviously, if you're with a surfboard, that's what you do. It's rare you can actually go under it. The surfboard doesn't work like that. But if you're just body surfing, you can choose to dive under. And, but regardless, there's sort of an accepting sometimes when the wave is too big for you, because it is, and the timing just isn't quite right. Or recognizing when you can yourself merge with it in a different kind of way and be part of it and step into it be a rider so yeah i think that's a really beautiful example what does 
the cultivation of your character mean to you? Who is it that you are becoming? And there's a link, obviously, between who you are and, in some sense, the fate of that, but, but also who you aspire to be. And maybe in particular, if that's too broad, what sorts of capacities, skills do you recognize you've been developing and mm. do you want to develop? Mm. That's a beautiful question. What actually comes to mind is to almost extend the, <laughs> the surfing metaphor. I don't want to drag this out too far, but I think there's something to say here. And that's when you like when you wipe out in the beginning there is the temptation to kind of thrash around and to uh, kind of panic and, and and you know really resist the the fact that you're being held under and as a beginner surfer you quite quickly or, or slowly learn that the the only way to kind of get through is to completely relax and surrender and soften to the experience um and I, I was listening to I was listening to David White the other day, and he he shared a line from Rilke that was along the lines of, "Winning doesn't tempt that man, but rather he is defeated decisively over and over again." And and so to kind of circle back to your question around character traits and and virtues. I, I think that courage and curiosity have been two that I've really um, have been very dear to my heart and I've really sought to to live by and make choices that are aligned with those two. And, and I think in the past few years, I, I've almost added, um, I, I've added surrender. And, and I think surrender can be a form of deep courage. Um, but that's, and, and I think that is also, often the path through the things that we are we that, that we find challenging whether it's an intense psychedelic experience or a breakup or or, or losing a loved one um, and so I think that really is something that I'm I'm seeking to cultivate in myself and also in, in my work as well like there's less um, I, I'm looking to kind of let go of the the old ways of of over-efforting, as my friend likes to say, or of, of, of grasping too hard, of, of trying and and in doing so, mm. kind of squeezing the the life the life out and kind of getting in my own way. Um, so I, I mm -hmm. think, yeah, surrender's been a theme that's been alive for me lately. Yeah, there was a a tweet you made, and uh, it was a good tweet. I think you pinned it. And uh, <laughs> it's a, I mean, some people make good tweets, not me. I don't make good, I cannot make good tweets. I don't, don't engage in that. But, but you did a good one. And uh, it, was, um, it was something to do with sleep isn't something you do. Sleep oh, is yeah. something you cultivate the conditions so that it can emerge. Something okay. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, in a way, there's a related principle in there which is, well, and maybe we'll just use that as a springboard. From another angle then, what are the conditions that you are aspiring to cultivate in yourself? That links up with this not over-efforting, right? Mm -hmm. Something about creating the conditions so that you can perform, you can be present to what it is you, well, can be present to fundamentally. It's a slightly different way of looking at it. Mm. 
yeah i i really like that um i suppose i think about that in in almost three ways i, I feel like there's the mental conditions there's the kind of like top down as, as they might say in um in, in neuroscience which is like what are the the stories i'm telling the beliefs that i'm holding there are the the bottom-up conditions which i think of more as relating to my physiology the state of my nervous system my breathing uh, my my physical body posture all these things and then then there's the the external so whether that's the room that i'm in or the the people that i'm around or the the workspace that i choose to create and so i suppose i think of those three buckets as almost opportunities for designing more intentionally and kind of looking at where i'm just um, operating from a default pattern or maybe a, like an unhelpful reactive pattern and st- aspiring I would say to be more intentional about um, all three of those uh, such that they align with whatever I'm desiring to, to do or, or, or speak to whether it's like a conversation like this or whether it's writing in the morning or connecting with with my wife um, yeah, I, I guess those are the three lenses through which I, I would answer that question. Mm. What have you found to be the most important, whether techniques or maybe they begin with intentions and of course the environment comes into that as well. But maybe if we can take a situation of maybe grief, maybe grief is some of the right context the presence here because i know this is something you've you've spoken on really beautifully and really powerfully and of course there's a profound story in your past that relates to this but grief is you know a kind of experience an emotional set and a, a physical set that has some similarities to what others experience as kinds of wounding or Perhaps even, I'm not trying to equate these two, but maybe also um, dynamics like shame. I'm trying to name profound realities of the human experience and the effects these experiences have on our sense of identity and our sense of being able to open and being able to surrender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to surrender, and but also partly being able to surrender well i think means also cultivating a capacity to know when not to in an important sense and to have a sense of where one's well boundaries themselves shift but to certainly be present in the shifting of them and to be able to stand forward with a kind of dignity in that process and so in both cases in terms of developing capacity to surrender, developing capacity to stand forth and show courage in that way, we can be prevented or we can not develop the capacity to do so as well if we are in a emotional state, in a physical state that challenges us in a, in a profound way. And so... How have the challenging experiences and the tragic experiences in your life, how much of that story, how much of that knowing 
influences what you now learn and what you now teach and what have you learned in response? Hmm. I think perhaps the way to answer that um, is kind of for me to go back to um, the moment when I, I found out that I uh, or I heard the news that Sophie had taken her own life um, and the kind of sheer overwhelm and um, there was a, a sense of just um, I, I think really for the first day it was almost like shock and denial and, and I think that um, or I've come to think of those impulses as almost like very healthy protection mechanisms I, and I think that um, you, you know denial probably gets a bad rep I think if we stay there too long it probably isn't good for us but in the beginning it's it's a very healthy way of keeping us at arm's length from um, certain things that we we may well not be ready to feel or integrate or, or move through um, and I, th I think for me I remember seeing I remember meeting adults who had lost their parents or they'd lost loved ones and um, they hadn't digested their grief and and I really I saw them as being almost like uh, this might sound extreme but almost like walking the zombies like they were in some in some very meaningful way to me they were not fully alive and and I think honestly that really scared me and that really um the idea of kind of living the next 10 years and and becoming this like this shell this husk of a human was was really scary to me and so um i kind of made the decision to lean in to the grief as best as best i could at the time and as best i knew how and for me that involved um i signed up for like a, a 10 day vipassana meditation retreat which incidentally I wouldn't recommend doing if anyone's if anyone's going through grief. Um, <laughs> and why is that? Um, I think it was it was it was. I shouldn't say sh not recommend, but it it was it was a bit much. And I think actually social connection mm. and um, you know co-regulation to use the the nervous system term is extremely important and helpful um, when we're going through challenging yeah. experiences and so this was almost a form of isolation um which mm. was helpful for me to get still mm. um but it, it actually wasn't kind of conducive to really feeling and moving through the emotions i was very much in a maybe in my head mm. during that experience um and and so i i suppose for me my my, my journey really shifted when i when i discovered breath work um and that's that for me has been my particular um, modality or tool for um, re for kind of exploring myself and realizing all of the ways in which I'm kinked. Um, and, and also I think hmm. having a space in which I feel safe to express the full spectrum of, of, of these emotions. Um, and with regards to grief in particular, um, I, I I have a sort of theory that the the traditional kind of stages of grief um, 
in my opinion, are ways in which the grief itself gets kinked. And so, in you know, people might experience anger, they might, there might be denial, there might be bargaining. And it's basically ways in which we are refusing to feel the full extent of the grief of whatever we've lost. And, and also, I think what, we're, what we tend to grieve is usually aspects of our identity. Um, so in my case, it was my identity as a future husband. It was the, the kind of vision of reality that I constructed in my mind that then kind of self-combusted, um, as well as obviously the, the, the person and the connection that I, I you know, deeply, um, deeply, deeply loved. And so for me, it, it, I suppose it was a journey of finding out the, the people and the places and the memories which had the most emotional charge and resonance to them and, and gradually allowing, like really trusting my body to do what it needed to do. And I think this is something that I'm still learning as well. Like we don't really... It, it doesn't seem right to say that we we do grieving. It's just something that it kind of happens to us when we allow it. Um, and, and really the only question is, is how much are we prepared to allow? Like I remember saying to myself um, when I was, I was looking at her memorial bench and this was a particularly powerful moment for me and just saying in my mind, like, like I, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. And just like, I'm willing to, to receive this, to feel this, to, move through this to let my body shake, wail, do whatever it needs to do. Um, and, and, and in that, in that kind of handing over the reins from my, from my head to my body, there is, there's a beauty in it. And, and this is also one of the reasons that I love guiding breath work is because when people are in this state where they're, they're no longer kind of um, in their mind so much, but they're just allowing their body to, to do whatever it needs to do to feel express and move make sounds there's like a real rawness and a real like indescribable beauty to that that is is so compelling and and what's interesting is you can you can see when it shifts like you can see when someone is feeling something maybe they're crying and then they go into the head and it's no longer as interesting <laughs> it's like oh you're in story now and mm -hmm. and so i guess part of my work is a breath worker and for myself is to just come back down into the sensation come back down into the body come back down into feeling what is mm. alive and present um and and helping people to get unstuck um yes yeah, so mm. I'll, I'll, I'll pause there um, yeah beautiful in my experience the most profound conversations exchanges connections well yeah we'll just stick to we'll just stick to conversations uh, the most profound conversations occur when the energy of the body is settled maybe they happen after an ordeal of sorts mm. and there's a sense of now is the time to step into speaking and this is something that I'm really interested about exploring further. I often take care of a lot of that process for myself individually by trying to look after myself throughout the week. But I am curious about what sorts of practices could help 
settle energy so that people feel more capable of integrating mind into the whole of the exchange that's happening so that perhaps that too can enter into the fold of what's interesting i know the contexts you're speaking about are deeply therapeutic in an important sense with respect to becoming unstuck and what have you and i totally get what you mean with respect to people jumping into the expression of narrative or concept when that can become a little bit of a maybe a defensive mechanism toward revealing or stepping into a different sort of expression that isn't one they can immediately feel comfortable with because it's in some important sense slightly beyond or slightly more there's a there's a depth of the vulnerability there which is which is felt to be a step too far or uncomfortable but yeah have you i can just imagine i don't know some setting of say you are you've been for a walk with a friend or you've you've been traveling you've been through an experience and there just comes a certain time maybe it's at the end of the day where there's a clarity of voice that can come through because there's been a sort of a lived alignment and effort in the day do you hear what i'm saying there is that something you've you've experienced before because often we don't need to say very much when Sometimes we don't need to say very much at all to communicate what we really mean. And I am curious about how little it is possible to talk. I can definitely say a few too many words sometimes, I think. <laughs> mm. Well, what comes to mind is, is that usually that sense of kind of deeper connection and authenticity, um, authentic expression, often comes on the other side of some degree of intensity. Um, whether that's a group experience, whether it's like, um, maybe maybe it's like, I, I mean, speaking personally, if say my wife and I are going through some kind of argument or challenge, like often we'll both say the things, we'll like both get angry or do whatever the thing is. And then as long as we stay in connection, that energy will kind of settle and this sense of spaciousness kind of arises. And in that spaciousness is usually mm -hmm. um, a sense of, there's like, a, ah, like we're, we're dropping more into our like ventral tone to use nervous system speak, but it's, mm -hmm. it's where we feel more connected we feel more at home we feel safer um, and often we have deeper access to that on the other side of some kind of uh, like, like sympathetic activity you know what's coming to mind for me is the it's a funny way to relate to it really it does feel like and perhaps it's for me at this moment in my life but i would venture to say it's something that is quite widely experienced that the pull of events and responsibilities and obviously it would be a trivial but extremely important thing to say our relationship with technology mm -hmm. and the states we generally perhaps unconsciously cultivate in ourselves are states that themselves are quite intense 
certainly not in that more relaxed ventral tone that is open to a certain kind of social interaction and there would be a for sure a different state there but I also recognize the I have to make sometimes quite a conscious invitation to myself to be otherwise even in a context like this because there's a microphone and there's a recording button and the reality is that I can as I often have you know often the podcast I pause for 20 seconds and in the network sessions we have there's a lot of silence but the silence can really inform and really speak and um, I think often when I speak it's to to invite a bit of the silence by talking which is you know contradictory but there's no podcast if it's just silence right (laughs) and and so there's a sense in which I could be a, so much more an effective communicator in terms of words spoken, you know, per point. If there was just like long periods of silence, and I know it would be welcome for us both to be in silence here. But that is, I don't know how that's going to sound to people. I think many who listen to this podcast and... um and you know participate in the network will totally feel what i'm saying here but i think there's almost something alien about pausing consciously and making an effort of that and returning to the breath when speaking with someone because of the pace that we're a part of and there's a sense of well aren't you ready to pitch aren't you ready to say what it is you have to say and when it comes to being with what is the depths of it, you know, there's a, a necessity of giving it the space it needs and to creating those conditions of spaciousness. So this is all in some sense, again, an, an invitation to myself that almost performing an active state change and I think we can come into more consciousness about ways of doing this I was going to say functions you know it's all a bit machinic but movements in interaction it feels like far more than new terms it is a breadth and depth of protocol again is another one of these words which which doesn't quite capture the the sense and the the richness of it the richness of presence together and the the richness of relating to potential together as well but it does seem like more than words more than language increasing our breadth and depth of capacity to regulate our state together regulate our openness to seeing and our openness to feeling so that we can think with more clarity about what matters that seems to be profoundly important so thank you for allowing me to 
find my way there. And I think I just found my way somewhere quite valuable. And I hope for people listening that can be heard as almost like I'm trying to perform that. It's not that it isn't authentic and real. I'm trying to slow down and, and now name a process that I think is deeply constitutive of transformative interaction with people and the criticality of affording each other the space to allow that kind of process to unfold because we have so much richness to share. We have so much knowledge. We have so much knowing. Uh, we have such a deep-rooted connection to what matters, of course, to ourselves, but also, also a little bit more mystically than that, a little bit more beyond just the prism of a narrow sense of self. I think we well, maybe I'll I'll pause there and just say, Johnny, obviously, if there's anything you'd like to comment on there, but also I am looking to ask, what are ways that you've learned, ways that you yourself have recognized, create the conditions for openness to the kind of exchange, openness to the kind of interaction that matters, that is deeply meaningful? Yeah, so so firstly, I just like to reflect back that I think I think you really perfectly nailed what I what I appreciate about your conversations and listening to as many of the podcast episodes that I that I have that there is this this kind of real time tuning into and and almost using words and language to tune into what is the what is the thing here? What is the aliveness? And there's almost not a fear of taking the time to do so. Um, and I know that in myself, like I, I have a podcast and, and I will, I will also, I will also often default to the question that I'd pre-written, like, you know, the week before, as opposed to like fumble my way through um, the thing that is actually there and present that wants to be said. So I just, just wanted to kind of thank mm. you for demonstrating that to me. It's almost like a, it's a very different and I think more courageous way of relating. Um, so I wanted to share that. And, and my sense of as you were speaking just then, it's almost like you were, you were like listening with words, which is like a really, <laughs> really interesting paradox. But you were, you were listening to what was there and what was alive between us and using words to, to try and kind of like sense make or or a signpost to what the thing was um and and i think with regards to your question of of like how do we the way i heard it was how do we create the conditions for transformative meaningful deep connection and conversation um mm. i think the like more than any practice or protocol or, or anything it it really does come down to um deep internal listening which the the fancy way of saying that is is interoception but it's essentially how do we sense track and feel our own inner landscape the thoughts that we're having our posture the way we're breathing is there any te like tenseness in our chest are we are we feeling constricted in any way um and and that kind of deep listening to ourselves, but also listening to the other and kind of tracking that in them as well. Um, and then kind of speaking from that place. 
um, and and there's 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 other things as well. I mean, if say, um, say you want to have a conversation with with a friend, but maybe there's some charge or maybe there's some tension, um, then knowing how you can uh, self-regulate or or downshift the the charge or the energy in your nervous system such that you can then show up in a more receptive place because when we're in when we're in this kind of even like a low level fight flight sympathetic our our attention is narrowed it's harder to listen um it, it's it's kind of scientifically shown to be very hard to socially engage with others when there's even kind of a low level of stress and so you know for some people that might be um moving the energy shaking running around um kind of regulating in that way for others breathing practices are incredibly effective at kind of pretty quickly downshifting whether it's just like a few big sighs whether it's um alternate nostril breathing box breathing like there's so many different practices and um i i think the, the real question is is you know just experiment for yourself and find what is um compelling to you and what is you know maybe appropriate in the situation as well um so if it's maybe before a conversation maybe it's just a few sighs or may or kind of feeling your feet on the floor and feeling um like getting back into your senses because again when we're when we're in that state of fight flight we're often kind of more in our minds more in our heads and grounding through the senses listening to um sounds outside looking at a, a wide horizon like these things are all very effective for um almost like levers into the nervous system that 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 imply right okay it's it's safe there's not there's not a danger here i can sink down into myself and prepare to connect in a kind of meaningful way um and, and i think that really is it really does feel like a bit of an art and a science um because on the one hand there are these you know clinically backed um evidence based practices and protocols that do create that state of kind of nervous system safety um and it's also something to kind of feel into and something to explore for yourself um and 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 even just knowing when there is charge or or something in your system and then kind of catching yourself and then like right I'm going to go you know stand outside for 5 minutes in the sunshine whatever whatever it is just kind of taking that pause and um, that in itself is is really helpful um yeah so those those are a few things that come to mind and and then um, perhaps the the last piece as well like i almost think of it like a um you could almost imagine a, a pyramid or kind of a path to um powerful conversations in the the, the bottom the base is this interception is this self awareness the the second is self regulation like how do we calm how do we ground how do we get into our bodies into our senses and then the final is emotional fluidity which is essentially like how do we just allow whatever's here and say if there is you know let's say there was sadness like can i just allow and be with the sadness and allow it to come through um and that you know if we were having a conversation and, and tears emerged i imagine that might you know create even more connection as opposed to me pressing that down and pretending it wasn't present um mm. so those are yeah those are some thoughts but I, i'm also I'm really curious to hear your perspective on this too because I I see you as someone who has kind of mastered the art of creating spaces for truly transformative conversations and so I I wonder um what are some of the things that you've noticed about 
the conditions present in the conversations that have felt most like most meaningful and, and, and deepest thank you and so i think one key thing we could put in the category of what i'm noticing in others and the external context if we can say and then another would be an awareness of my own state and capacity the relationship between invitation and then fulfillment <laughs> so uh first of all developing a sense of if someone is actually open to engage and that is an extremely subtle thing i wouldn't necessarily know off the top of my head how to characterize that i could list off a whole bunch of different markers which might apply to some section of the population and not to others in terms of gauging their openness but there is an interpersonal intuitive sense which is possibly something which must be cultivated through doing fundamentally rather than in you know abstraction alone and so the invitation that is being made whether someone's open to receiving an invitation and then whether i myself am committed to being present to the response the intuitive perception of those things and that can be all manner of kind of playful as well as serious and deeply intense as well um i think probably quite fundamentally to the degree one is clearly open to intensity such that there is a feeling of welcomeness in the other the other feels a kind of welcomeness to go there or to go wherever they feel they're drawn to so that they won't be too much that's quite crucial and i do feel that that is something which ends up being cultivated and i think that's partly what what facial expression and and voice and all of that part of the insolment to use zack stein's term in terms of the qualities of character the qualities of personality in some sense the soul as it etches itself into the face and stance of someone into the feeling of what it is to be in presence with them presence fundamentally a presence which is open but there as a force open to exchange but is participant in exchange that's exciting i think when you meet someone like that someone who's open to exchanging in that way and so in terms of what gets us there i think all those tools dispositions intentions practices you named those virtues of um courage and curiosity it's funny you say that because those are such and surrender to these are all such themes that have been presenced by many people i've spoken to who are themselves undergoing a process of trying to understand from the inside out what it is to be in transformative interaction and what it is to 
and what it is they value. And so I think you're speaking to something archetypal there. I think these are really, really profound sets, ways of approach. And I would say, though, on the other side of things, there are, of course, a few different kinds of transformation. You know, there are transformation which we might aspire to. And for me, I use the term um, loving transformation for this. I think there's also a kind of transformation which is, let's say, a little less loving, and it's one that can come at the cost of a type of, uh, well, a, a wound and, and an abuse and a, and a breaking, and, um, and fear interplays with it really interestingly. And so I think there is a, there's definitely risks to opening to new ways of seeing opening to the presence of another as well and so the kinds of transformative interaction i hold myself to and desire are ones where there is a mutual call and response toward that deepening and i've often made errors not in an abusive sense or a manipulative sense but there are ways which i've broken the shared weaving of the spell of a really meaningful exchange because i've gotten so enthusiastic that i've jumped too high too quickly right and that could come across as something maybe that's too conceptual or it's layering on another thought after another thought and deepening and expanding and offering another perspective and another perspective and all of a sudden there's too much there that's been offered that now a continuity of handhold a continuity up that spiral staircase doesn't feel as possible so that we can both remain in some sense with our feet rooted in the ground in a deep sense of remembering what matters to us but that feeling of our being involved also in the context of stepping into metaphorically a fundamentally novel way of perceiving because if we just go straight up novelty without grounding then it's not even clear to what degree that is let's say you're loading a lot of the pressure on the integration on the on the other side and there can be value in that and obviously sometimes life does take us on intense trips in various ways that we weren't prepared for and and that is what it is but in terms of the art of it i think remaining in a dynamic touch both in the deep rootedness of where we are as well as then opening up into playing in potential crafting potential together so that we can then and i mean it feels like then a conversation is something which is including integration into it so that we can then trust i mean i think that's probably what would be the kind of relationship that you know, you have a conversation with someone every year or maybe every six months, every two years. And if the quality of that conversation itself was 
sufficient, then I think that is what contributes to the feeling of continuity of relationship. So you can return to that person. You can return with that person and pick up where you left off because there was an authentic breathing through of the experience together. There was an inhabiting of territory together and there was a knowing of it in a way that was capable of being metabolized, used the word digest before, by the body. So it's, it is this interesting balance and a concern and watching my own enthusiasm and making sure in some sense that the curiosity remembers as well a care to be present with who it is I am with and the various constraints. Something like that is is close to at least one kind of orientation. I mean there's other types of there's other types of context too that are a little bit more um might even have a bit more of a combative edge. Maybe the arena is one that's a little bit closer to a it's got a kind of masculine this proposition or that proposition, which can have its value, but it's almost like there's a martial art of getting in there and you want to be very clear about what that context is and whether it's one you want to be in and what types of energies you're bringing. But um, in terms of the conversations, I think that are most conducive of long-term, mutually neutrifying expansion of understanding and at the same time cultivation of a core of soul crafting itself then I think what we've been energetically at least trying to resonate back and forth together feels to me to be the way so I'm curious what you heard in that really Uh, there's probably so many more things I could say but that's something Mm. yeah I um, really heard the word resonate and the image that was coming to mind as you were speaking was Mm. almost one of like um, perhaps an an orchestra and that grounding that you spoke Mm. to being the key that they're they're playing the piece in Um, but that what kind of constitutes a like a masterpiece or a, a particularly great piece of music is where say there's a there's a solo that goes like wildly off key and you might be listening and it and it's there is some kind of tension or disharmony in let's say the saxophone is going off on a on a complete tangent and there's almost this trust that it will eventually kind of make its way back into key into resonance but what is so captivating is that it kind of goes off and then comes back in. And I think that's what you were kind of speaking to in that tension of like with your curiosity, not wanting to go too far off that you, you lose the audience entirely or you lose the, you lose the key, but mm-hmm. trusting that you find your way back. And, and I wonder what is the, like, what is the conversational equivalent of that, of that key? Is it, is it like the shared inquiry or is it the question that both participants are trying to live their way like into um there could be a few kind of mutual grounds there that is a great question that is a really great question i think it's a complex of multiple factors and i wonder if almost the earlier on in the conversation you spoke about sort of environmental settings and then there were 
practices and then there was was it was it intentions that were part of how you looked at creating the conditions for whether it be sleep or something like that did i have those categories right yes yeah, so so like like mental physical environmental right yeah off the top of my head we could think of the shared context of invitation but that itself is something which would be comprised of what we can name together what we have named together but then also what was the thing that was the more than what we then ended up naming so there's a it does feel to me with you that there's an openness to what could be and there's a certain kind of commitment and dedication to there's a dedication we each share to being here and present and yet at the same time that's inherently something which is oriented toward unveiling the future and so there's a, this there is this ongoing it's a how much movement is there on extending our own sense of even what this is so there's a certain kind of playfulness with the boundaries of what it is we're doing and what's possible to create which i think is part of it as well fate something of a fate something of a something of that quality of life quality of being which resists being captured which resists being spoken down to or or tyrannized it's there's a kind of freedom and yet it knows itself through definition and so the craft of what could be and i think we can care for that in each other i think something like that is close to something which is both healing and therapeutic but also deeply creative and and artful and aspirational and so there's a care for each other's souls there's a care for each other's being as we meet in a dress and so i forget the exact way to link this to your question but it feels like something on that piece was what i was really wanting to bring in mm. yeah i i'd like to um what what came to mind for me just now was this idea of my friend michael talks about this idea of, of goodness which is i think a made entirely made up word but mm. it what he uses what what he references with that word is in this moment i feel like i could do like xyz and and i think the greater the sense of goodness the greater the freedom of the potential possible things i could say express share the more the more safety and i think often more aliveness tends to come with that and and i think about this in the context of um say working with emotions a lot of what is really happening is is you're increasing your level of goodness with the full emotional spectrum such that if if anger arises you you could choose to express it or you could choose to you know save it for later or, or, or whatever that tends to be um and i think that it feels like that concept is is related to what you were just sharing around the the kind of the thread that that weaves these these conversations 
it's almost like a shared goodness yeah goodness. absolutely and, and 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 just what yeah one more thing that kind of came alive like you were sharing about sometimes these conversations might have an intensity and i think for me i've actually some of the most profound interactions i've been involved with have been the other has been sharing quite kind of fierce compassionate feedback or criticism or, or like calling me out on something and th- there's a rare level mm. of trust that i found and, and, and almost safety in that that this other human kind of cared cared about my well-being enough to risk hurting me and risk hurting our connection in order to you know, compassionately share this and, and that also kind of feels to me like 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 can i trust this other person to you know, really say what they're actually thinking and feeling and not just the thing which is, you know, socially acceptable. Like, is this person really going to say or, or share what is truly alive for them in this moment? Yeah, beautiful. I think, Johnny, this speaks really well to several essential aspects of meeting in transformative interaction. And I'm really grateful that you've shared your time and energy and a little bit of your story there's so much there's so much there uh, which maybe we could return to at another time or perhaps there might be other contexts we share together where that can be unveiled a little bit because i i did bounce around a little bit between the story and then some of the maybe abstractions and some of the learnings from it and you know i was feeling almost it was at times i was feeling it's a very it's a very profound and uh, inquisitive thing to ask people about their stories, mm. uh, you know, and to move into them with too much. Um, well, I think I think they can be moved into perfectly appropriately, but it has to come from the right place. And uh, I was feeling quite sensitive, and um, there's a humility to asking questions about someone's life that I was that I was feeling there and so I hope that we I hope you feel respected in that (laughs) uh, it's it's a wild thing you know interviewers asking questions about lives hey it's uh it's a wild thing to do I think it it can also be I mean like my experience of that and and often is one of a gift Uh, you know I think as long as there's genuine curiosity there and there's not any like ulterior motives the act of being and and this is actually um so my my wife kelly lost her her dad pretty recently like a few weeks ago and for her the act of being asked to kind of share her experience of that and to share her story was profoundly liberating and so i think that um that curiosity and that impulse is really is really a gift yeah yeah i definitely agree i definitely agree it's a curious thing for me to reflect on, actually, what that is in myself there. I, I think it's a beautiful thing to get to know each other, obviously. I think there's something about the... Well, I've, you know, we've only shared a few conversations with each other, maybe four or five over some three or four year period now. But because of what you've also shared, and I've I've listened to your work and I've listened to you speak and and we've shared dialogues together and i i felt some of the the pain and the grief and also the life and the 
enthusiasm for that and the commitment to that that you have and so in some sense it's a i think i was feeling the immensity of the i suppose of the the reverent that in question and anyway thank you for the opportunity to speak with you about that in the context of also the work that we're both doing because there is a lot of really deep alignment there in ultimately the kinds of relationships and the qualities of interaction that we're seeking to be part of and to help nurture you know contextually and also in the friendships and and peers and perhaps you know increasingly as we both uh, step into some new chapters of life here and get a little bit older students as well i appreciate what you're doing basically and i'm very glad i'm very um i'm very happy you're going to be part of the transformative philosophy course and uh, people can find out more about that by following uh, the link in the description or it's voicecraft.io/academy and you can also find Johnny's podcast at Curious Humans I'll leave a link to this as well and then also Nervous System Mastery so Johnny maybe because we did look at closing this up about an hour and we've we've gone over that a little bit if there's any closing words you'd like to offer if there's anything I've said or anything unrelated you just want to touch on but it'd be curious to hear a little bit more about what nervous system mastery is because that does relate quite specifically to the teacherly role you'll be playing in the course so thank you really and um just over to you for some closing words mm. well thank you tim yeah so i guess briefly what i'm attempting to create with this with this course with with nervous system mastery is is a learning container in which we can come to understand our own bodies more fully and and the way in which our nervous system kind of actively shapes our reality um, and and hopefully with practice cultivating greater agency and sovereignty over our states as opposed to feeling hijacked by whatever our surroundings or, or stories are so that's that's really what i'm hoping to kind of create the conditions for in this program and then the, the only other kind of closing thought or closing remark was just a just a deep appreciation for for you and for the work that you're doing and I, i've really like truly valued each of the few conversations that we've had and and i i, I feel this renewed sense of um like it's funny before we hit record we were talking about this experimental mindset and i think that you you have this powerful capacity to experiment in real time and bringing me and others into that space it feels like there is a an invitation for us both to be surprised by what emerges and and perhaps for you know genuine insights to emerge from that space as well and so yeah i just wanted to end on on a note of gratitude i'm very excited to be part of of this upcoming course of yours and anything else that you turn your attention to in the future. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the journey. In October this year, with week one beginning on October 10 and orientation commencing one week before that on the 3rd, you have the opportunity to participate in a course that's been developed to create an on-ramp into participation in conversations and relationships which resonate with the spirit of sincerity and mystery shared in the dialogue you've just listened to. But that's far from all. The course is named Transformative Philosophy, and it brings together an exceptional faculty to support a context for real development of capacity to encounter, navigate, and metabolize different perspectives and worldviews, while crafting your voice and sharing creatively with peers. There's so much more you can read or watch to get a sense of what you'll meet in the course, and to do so you can go to voicecraft.io academy. But at the end of the day, this is a process to step into, to encounter yourself in, and embark on a journey with others, where the destination cannot be foretold. For the right people, this is a rare opportunity. Places are filling up, so now is the time to step aboard. Voicecraft.io academy is where to go. Okay, until next time.